We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We are continuing along in reviewing 2020 Best Ball ADP on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Hey everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Radio. I'm Dave Cabin, senior fantasy analyst at Rotoviz, joined by Matt Friedman, the editor in chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network. How's it going, Matt? Uh, it's doing pretty well. Uh, good conversation last episode talking about, uh, ADP and, uh, looking forward to jumping into it. In fact, we're, we're going to get into round five, but I want to talk about one more guy who, uh, is in round four. And yep. right now that is Mark Ingram. Uh, so he's older, right? He's going to be 31 this next season. Um, you know, he wasn't, uh, really used much in the passing game last year. Uh, he never was really loaded up all that much, even in the running game. Uh, because, you know, obviously he was getting carries siphoned away by Lamar Jackson. Uh, and then he had to deal with other running backs on the depth chart who were getting usage, but he did get a ton of touchdowns. And, uh, you know, that's not anything that you can necessarily count on, but I still expect him to be the lead back in a run-heavy offense that scores a lot of touchdowns. I mean, Mark Ingram at the end of the fourth round, like, I don't really want to be drafting running backs in this range, but if you had to, what are your thoughts on Ingram? I'm actually, like, pretty okay with Ingram right there. Um, One of the things that I could imagine with people, or what I could imagine people trying to point to a decrease in like opportunity that he might have had in the back half of the season. If you actually look at the numbers, I don't believe that that is really true on the season averaged over 15 opportunities per game, because like you said, 
did not factor into the receiving game that much. Sure, the touchdowns could come down, but with what I'm expecting from this offense next season, I think that you could still very reasonably expect six or seven touchdowns. Um, so I'm okay with it. Yeah, I think the six player, or seven is even low, you know? Yeah, like, I mean, it might be. Yeah. But that's a conservative number. But the point there is also just because of what you could expect from this offense, um, it's hard to rule room that I think it's very hard to imagine losing um, a significant chunk of his role, right? Yeah. So it's like he doesn't really need to have the receiving in what he's going to do for Baltimore next season. So I, I'm perfectly okay with this. Yeah. I mean, I – I actually, I, I do like him at this ADP. And again, there aren't many running backs I would want to take in rounds like two through five or two through six, but Ingram is one of them I wouldn't mind. Yeah. So players are drafting Jonathan Taylor currently ahead of Mark Ingram. I think what you're looking for there is to hit the home run. Yeah. I, I get it. I, I do get it, but I just, it feels really wrong. So Taylor, I think when all is said and done is going to be the player that or the running back that people are highest on unless, um, you know, things really go differently than I'm expecting. Um, well, Swift is going ahead of him in ADP. I, I know. Then, yeah. I feel like there's a change coming here. Okay. All right. That's interesting. Um, per, I don't know. Obviously none of this will matter after the con or what I'm saying now will matter after the combine. And then once we know where they go, that won't matter either. um, there are, though, a lot of people super excited about Taylor. So is your saying that it's wrong for people to select him in front of Ingram because you don't think he's that good or just because you think that an outcome where he finishes better than Mark Ingram, despite how good he might be, is something that just isn't likely to happen? Yeah, I think he's good. Um, I think he could have, like, a really good, like, five to eight-year run in the NFL. Uh, he's big. He's going to be 21. Uh, it doesn't bother me that he saw a lot of carries at Wisconsin. Like we know he can stand up to the load and he was an awesome producer. Um, but he's not the best pass catcher and, um, we just don't know what his situation is going to be. You know, like we, I think we have a pretty good sense of what is in store for Mark Ingram next year. Uh, Taylor could be a guy like you draft him now and it's like, oh wow, that's round one value based on where he ends up. But, like, he could also get drafted to a team that's like, oh, and they're going to use him with this other running back. And it's like, yeah, that guy should be drafted in the eighth round. Perfectly fair. Um, One thing, just to put this in context, as we do have both Swift and Taylor going in round four, in comparison to last season where my top two running backs were Henderson and Miles Sanders, collectively are Swift and Taylor that much better than Sanders and Henderson were, do you think? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Henderson was, uh, egregious. Uh, I mean, I don't, you know, I just, it's like he's, he's a smaller school guy. He wasn't big. Like he had good athleticism, but you know, like, like Swift is a, a 21 year old five star recruit who was awesome at Georgia. You know, like that's just, that's a tier above what we were getting out of Daryl Henderson last year. You know, like a similar thing with Jonathan Taylor, similar with JK Dobbins. Like the, the top running backs in this class are, uh, head and shoulders above, um, above the top running backs from last year's class. Like I do think highly of Miles Sanders. Um, yep. 
you know, in like Josh Jacobs, I like him now, but you know, I don't know. Like I still don't think he's like he fits in with Swift and Taylor and Dobbins, but like from the standpoint, like from the retrospective standpoint of, okay, he's drafted in the first round. He's big. Uh, he's a decent pass catcher. Like he was efficient, even though he didn't like have voluminous production in college. Like we, you can't look at what Jacobs was before the combine, before the draft and lump him in with these guys. Yeah. That is something that I, I, I think I, I agree with. Um, are you surprised though at all to see Dobbins going in round five as, as the third pick? No, um, because there are some people who like him just in terms of his overall skill set and think that he's actually the better player, uh, than Swift and Taylor. And, you know, he's a year older. He's 22, but like he was still super productive. Um, you know, at a top school at Ohio State was, uh, you know, like highly recruited. There's nothing to dislike about Dobbins either. Like those three guys, they are all, I think, roughly in the same tier. Yeah, I think that I agree with that. Um, I do want to ask you about the tight ends going in round five. But before I do, we're going to take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor, Bet Online. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all things sports. With March Madness, the Masters, and Major League Opening Day right around the corner, Bet Online has you covered. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. And when you sign up, you will receive a 50% welcome bonus. The Wilder Fury rematch goes down this Saturday night, and we can't think of a better way to wager on the fight than doing it with actual free money, which you can get by heading over to betonline.ag and using our promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. We've signed up. It's super easy, and if you're already into betting, it's a fantastic way to support this podcast. Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word when you sign up at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Austin Hooper is going as the tight end six, directly followed by Evan Ingram at tight end seven. Ingram was on a really strong pace last season before suffering an injury that really derailed things. Austin Hooper was fantastic, got injured late on into the season as well. I personally like both of these tight ends. Um, do you have a preference or are you kind of lumping them into the same tier? Yeah, they're in the same tier for me. Um and I think, you know, you could put Hunter Henry in that same tier. Um, you know, guys who are all talented, Evan Ingram, you know, going to be on the same team, but, uh, you know, nearing the end of his, uh, is this going to be his third year? This is going to be his fourth year there, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, and like, you know, nearing the end of his contract, uh, and Hunter Henry and Austin Hooper, uh, are, you know, leaving their contract, so they could be on new teams, but uh I think they're all in the same general vicinity. For sure. Now I'm actually I'm gonna before I, I bring up the two other tight ends here, or one of them you already mentioned, let me just quickly read this uh ADP. So it's Austin Hooper, Evan Ingram, JK Dobbins, Carrion Johnson, Stefan Diggs, Hunter Henry, Deshaun Watson, Calvin Ridley, DK Metcalf, Tyler Higby, Robert Woods, Damian Williams. Tyler Higby managed to get heavily involved in that Rams offense as the season progressed last season. 
being drafted at tight end nine. So, you know, that probably isn't that much of a reach. I guess the larger question is, and in the context of a tight end premium league, how do you feel about Tyler Higby being drafted in a range where there's players like Calvin Ridley and Robert Woods being selected? I don't mind it. Uh, yeah, keeping in mind that it is tight end premium. And then, you know, he was basically like, I mean, like the tight end one, but like, you know, for sure a top three tight end in the final month of the season when he was actually being used. And uh, there's the question as to like whether that usage actually endures into yeah. the, the 2020 season. But um I don't know. Like I think Ridley Metcalf and Woods as the three wide receivers who are uh, around him there in ADP. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't think that any of those guys is like locked in awesome enough where I like have to take them instead of taking a shot at a tight end who could be the top scoring tight end. Wow. So you actually think that potential is there for Higby. You're not obviously not saying, you know, that's. Yeah. I mean, I think the potential is, I think the potential is there. I think he's one of the, the last, I don't know, like, okay, Goddard, I don't think he's going to be the top tight end. Like, I don't think he really has the potential now to be the top tight end because he's blocked by Ertz. I don't right. think it's going to happen for Cook. Maybe it it happens for Fant, but I think that's like much more of an outside shot. Um, maybe it happens for Hawkinson, but again, that's much more of an outside shot. Like, but Higby, like, I think he has a better shot than everyone after him, and like, I think he is the last guy who actually has you know, a significant shot of being, uh, I mean, number one, but let's say like top three. And I think that's all kind of in the same tier. But yeah, like, would it be surprising if a, a guy who was really good in college, um, who is, I think, in a good offense with an inventive play caller, who was a tight end coach before being an offensive coordinator, uh, like, if he actually gets his shot and like we saw him do it in four straight games to close the season, like, would it be surprising if he went on a run and became the number one tight end? Like, it eh, wouldn't be surprising. So from week 12 on, his targets were really solid. Six in week 12, eight in week 13, 11 in week 14, 14 in week 15, 11 in week 16, 12 in week 17. I don't know if I'm expecting, you know, 11 or more targets every game, but I think it's very realistic he gets to seven or eight, which with the way things have worked out for him last season, and I don't think things are going to be radically different, that definitely can support a really solid tight end performance for a player like Higby. Um, so I don't, I don't hate that either. Um, Damian Williams, let's talk about Damian yeah. Williams because the, okay. the last guy in the fifth round here, um, I was having a conversation with, uh, you know, Chris Rabon, uh, you know, from Action Network and he was like, we were debating where Damian Williams would go. It kind of like versus where he should go. And, you know, Rabon thinks he should go, you know, or will end up going around like the second or third round, like somewhere close to where he was going last year. And that just, that feels way too high to me, both in terms of where he should go and in terms of where the market is ultimately going to place him. Because I, I still think there were just too many people who were burned by what happened last season, even though ultimately uh he did go on a run in the playoffs. Yeah. He's a really tough case, I think, because if he gets a lot of work in Kansas City, 
and things play out the way that I, I think they would if you could say over the course of 16 games he's getting 15, 16 looks a game, I think then he probably should be a player going in the second or third round. But having said that, there are other players in Kansas City, and I think that you know they could even add somebody else that you bring in and can do just what Williams is doing. Like I think he's good, but I don't think he's bringing something to the Chiefs that other players couldn't easily reproduce. I kind of so, disagree. I disagree just a little bit, actually. All right. Well, well, let's go through that first. Okay. Uh, he's he's big, he's fast, and he's a good pass catching back. Like that's that's what he adds. And there aren't many guys who have his combination of size and speed who are also at as as good at catching the ball out of the backfield. Like it's okay. it's the David Johnson thing where like he's probably not that great of a runner, but he's good enough as a runner uh to be able to uh you know like at least keep defenses somewhat honest and then uh what he adds in the the uh pass catching game uh is better than what most backs can do. Okay, so let me ask you this though. Did it not feel to you at points in the season that the Chiefs really wanted to make LaShawn McCoy happen? Now, of course, you could say some of that is because it's LaShawn McCoy, but I think that one can interpret it as, as there's a possibility that they don't really care about it being Williams, right? Like, so I'd want to take him in a round two or three, but given that concern, I'm not sure that we should be. Okay, that is uh, it's a good observation. Yeah, I think there there were times when they wanted to give McCoy uh, a chunk of the action, but I don't think it was ever like we want McCoy to be like the locked in guy. Yeah, uh, I think it was more like okay, we have these backs, we like both of them. Let's uh, like both of them might have injury issues. Let's play both of them so that they can hopefully stay healthy. And then a point came where they just realized Williams is so much better than anything they were getting out of McCoy that even though McCoy is like a borderline maybe Hall of Famer, they just decided to inactive in, inactivate him. That's not the right. wrong word. Deactivate him. Deactivate him. <laughs> <laughs> inactivate him. Nice. Uh, yeah, they made him inactive, uh, you know, like in the most important game of Andy Reid's career. You know, That's a like, good point. So I, I think like they are confident with what they have out of Williams at this point. And whenever he's been like the guy, whenever he's gotten like at least 60% of the, the snaps played, he's been an absolute like fantasy monster. Yeah, that I can't, I can't argue <laughs> with you on that point there. Interesting hypothetical question for you here. David Johnson on the Chiefs. What does that season look like? He's dead. I mean, he's dead. So even if we put him on the defending Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs, David Johnson puts up a goose egg this year. Yeah. I mean, look at more or less. He's not even <laughs> okay. I have to say there was, there was an expert draft I saw, which was, um, it wasn't good. It, not nearly <laughs> as good as ADP data that we are looking yeah. at right now where yeah. someone drafted and this happened just a few days ago. Someone drafted David Johnson at the end of the second round. What? I, I'm just, on what I mean, planet? I, I just, I, I don't, I don't even understand. And like right now he's going in the eighth round and that's too high. That is, it, it is too high. I yeah. agree. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the final question I'm going to ask you just to gauge where we are there. Uh, who's better right now? LaShawn McCoy or David Johnson? LaShawn McCoy, maybe? 
that, I don't know. There, I think maybe the better answer is it doesn't really matter. Yeah, honestly, I think it doesn't matter. I, I think they're both pretty much out of the league this year. Okay, all right, uh, that's fair. Um, coming back to Stefan Diggs, who I actually don't know um, if we've even mentioned yet. Uh, no. this episode, it might have been the one that we did earlier in the week. Uh, Stefan Diggs, wide receiver 18. Calvin Ridley's at wide receiver 19. DK Metcalf is at wide receiver 20. Do you lump Diggs into a tier with players like Ridley, Metcalf, and Robert Woods? Uh, or is there any chance you might have him raised up a little bit higher, perhaps with like Keenan Allen, AJ Brown, Cooper Cup? Uh, that's interesting. I, he's basically in that tier for me. Um, I have him after AJ Brown, after Juju, I have him right before Parker, right before Cup. Um, and then like after Cup, there's Ridley, there's Woods. So it, they're all kind of in that same group for me. Yeah. I think one of the concerning things, um, for Diggs is expected points per game of, uh, a rank of 49 last season. And there's a lot of games on his log where you only see him getting to five, four, six targets. And then in some of these games where he performed well, he managed to get a touchdown on that low level of targets. So it's very hard to read into. Uh, one thing, though, that we probably should discuss is do, does Adam Thielen have any relevance or projecting for digs in 2020? Um or are you just kind of more focusing on digs just in isolation? Because obviously heading into last season, there was a big discussion over how their workloads would get distributed. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think about them all that much in concert right now. I mean, I think for me, the big thing is that, um, digs played at a level that was, I don't want to say it's, it's unsustainable, but it's just like, it is on the high end of what he's been doing throughout his career. So 12 yards per target, uh, you know, last year, whereas in the first four years of his career, he was at 7.9 and like pretty consistently in that vicinity. Um, so I'm worried that, uh, that number is going to come down. Like we should just expect him not to have, uh, like career best efficiency once again. And if that number comes down and his volume doesn't increase, then we're looking at a guy who will not meet his, his draft ADP expectations. I think I could really make a case that um, he's in a different tier for this year than a Ridley or a Metcalf. Any other players uh, from round five that you feel like mentioning before we move on to round six? No, I do have Metcalf ranked lower. And, uh, you know, looking at this, it's making me rethink it a little bit. I, I probably should be a little more aggressive in moving Metcalf up. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I do have digs ahead of, of Metcalf pretty significantly right now. Yeah. I mean, I think for Metcalf, if you are going to be pushing him up, you have to make a couple of assumptions, um, in things really breaking perfectly for him next year. Cause I think that he had a great rookie season, but I think it, it, it was one of those where like everything kind of worked out in his favor. Um, and I'm just not sure that in Seattle we're going to continue to see a, a tremendous amount of progression for him in terms of, like, overall production. Uh, the first player being selected in round six 
is Devontae Parker, followed by Raheem Mostert, Philip Lindsay, David Montgomery, Adam Thielen, Tyler Lockett, Kareem Hunt, DJ Chark, Debo Samuel, Jared Cook, Darius Geis, Kyler Murray. Let's just start off, though, with Kyler Murray going at quarterback four. Some of this might be that it is a best ball league. Does that feel too high, though, for Kyler Murray, a player that we are big fans of? Um, Probably not, but it, it is aggressive. And I should just say, I don't like this round at all. Like, I, uh, I, I want to skip, not like, I mean, in the draft, like, I would just want to skip this round. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I don't know. It, it feels like a minefield, but Kyler Murray in particular going off the board at the end of the sixth round as the fourth quarterback. Um, you know, I think it's, it's early for a quarterback in general, but Kyler Murray as the number four quarterback, um, I don't hate it because you're you're being aggressive and you're basically shooting for someone who could be this year's Lamar Jackson. And um, you know, like we know what we're gonna get out of Russell Wilson, more or less. The same with Dak, the same with yep. Jameis Winston. But Kyler Murray uh is a little more of an unknown and he does have a really high ceiling. And I think that's how you win. Like you you get the guys who have a little more uncertainty, a little more volatility. And, uh, you know, if they go off, you win your league. Yep. Perfectly, perfectly fair there, though. I do want to follow up on you saying that Kyler Murray, I forget if you said exactly this, if you said that he could be next year's Lamar Jackson. Is that what you said? Yeah, I guess, like, he could be this year what Lamar Jackson was in in 2019. Like, not exactly, but I think that's what people are thinking of in terms of, a, a guy who is a dual threat player yep. who could progress in his skill and uh in his comfort in the offense and make a big leap that people aren't really expecting. So the, the, here's the one thing. Yeah. Sorry, here's I'll just say this. The one thing is that people are pricing that in right now and, okay. and pricing him at quarterback number four, whereas what made Lamar so awesome last year was that you could get him cheap. And if you were wrong, it didn't matter. Yeah, that's a huge distinction we have to make. I would say that I don't think that a 2019 Lamar Jackson season is possible for Kyler Murray. I like him as a rusher, but I think that Lamar Jackson is just so incredible that expecting Kyler Murray to be able to do that and then also match the passing production, I just don't think is possible. Am I wrong? Yeah, I, I I don't think it is possible, but I think people are just hoping for something yeah. approaching it. You know, yep. so Kyler Murray last year had 544 rushing yards. And um the thing is, like, I, I don't know what your thoughts are on this. It felt like he never at any point let it loose. Yeah, you know, no, he like, didn't. That was never um something that you saw demonstrated in any way from what I saw from Arizona, at least. Yeah. So, so what happens if over the off season they think, you know what? We need to cut him loose a little bit. Like, does he have the potential to get to a thousand rushing yards? Like, I, I think he probably does. Yeah. Like, that's not to say that it happens, but if they think, you know what? We want to use him a little bit more as a runner. He could get to a thousand. Okay. Um, we're probably going to come back to Kyler Murray a lot, but yeah, I mean, I think that if we think about it like that, that probably is possible. Um, moving along though, Darius Geis going at running back 32. So that's actually is fairly later. The poor guy, things have just not worked out to this point in his career. Is it 
round six pick on a player like Darius Geis at this point when you could possibly be choosing between him and like a Kareem Hunt or a David Montgomery? I mean, why would I want any of those guys on my team? <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, okay, Kareem, Kareem Hunt has talent, but like we don't know yet where he's going to land or if he's going to be a lead back. David Montgomery, in theory, he has talent, but I don't know if he actually has talent. Um, I would rather wait two and a half, three rounds and get Ronald Jones. You know what I mean? Like, because at least I have a sense of what Ronald Jones is and what his role is likely to be. And in the meantime, I could just load up on more tight ends and wide receivers. Yeah, I, I will accept that. Now, I think an important thing to note here is Raheem Mostert going at running back yes, 28. Yes, this is This is the player who defines for me what this round is as, like, the round I want to avoid. Like, Mostert, he has potential, but he's a career-long special teamer who got, you know, in the right offense and had the right players ahead of him get injured and got on a hot streak. Uh, it is uh, detrimental. Like, it's uh, financially negligent <laughs> to to draft him. Like, you are punishing your money. You are punishing your future self by drafting Raheem Mostert for your fantasy teams, drafting him specifically in round six. Yeah, um, could not agree more. And Raheem Mostert is on six come the summertime in, you know, home leagues, maybe even leagues where players somewhat have a sense of what, what is going on. Uh, and I don't think that drafting a player like Raheem Mostert, though I can't deny there is a significant amount of potential there, but the amount of times it gets realized by a player in this position with that profile that you mentioned, the amount, the percentage that it hits is so low that like I would just be avoiding that. Um, and I think even at points in the season where Mostert was looking good, you know, it felt like they weren't, you know, necessarily sold that they didn't want to try to give Tevin Coleman another crack at it. Um, and I don't think it's a team that's afraid of, of rotating their backs if need be. So there's a lot of reasons to be really concerned about Mostert. Um, let's just come back though quickly to Devontae Parker. Are you buying that the career has been resurrected? Yeah. Um, I am too. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I don't know if we should expect, uh, 1200 yards from scrimmage again and nine touchdowns, but, um, I think he's going to have Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing to him. Uh, I don't think they have a lot, like who knows what happens with Preston Williams, but you know, yeah. like at a minimum, he's coming off of a, you know, significant knee injury. We don't know how healthy he's going to be to start the year. Devontae Parker always had a lot of talent. Like that, there was, that was never the question. It was just always like, does he have like the work ethic or like, is he in the right system or is he healthy? And like this year, everything came together and he's still like only 27. Um, you know, like this was his first year outside of his rookie season where he wasn't trapped with Adam Gase. You know, like we saw what being free from Adam Gase meant to a lot of other players this year. You know, like Ryan Tannehill had his best season. Kenyon Drake broke out. Um, You know, like I think it is reasonable to see other players do well outside of the Gaze context and think like, okay, what we saw out of Devontae Parker, like it's fairly legit. Um, You know, and the thing is, it's not like 
It's, I don't think like a lot of his plays felt fluky either. It just felt like him emerging as an awesome player. So, yeah. uh, I, I buy it to an extent. There is like the question of like whether they're going to be as, um, as diligent in targeting him moving forward. You know, like is, is Ryan Fitzpatrick going to ignore a lot of the other options on the team and just target Devontae Parker to the exclusion of everybody else? Um, we don't know, but I, I, I do feel confident that he's a talented player. And like, as I mentioned earlier, I would rather have talented players instead of players like Keenan Allen. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll accept that. I don't know if I'd rather have Parker than Keenan Allen. I'm not sure that that's really what you were actually trying to say, but I do kind of think that Parker at, at a uh, ADP wide receiver 22 makes sense. Um, I would rather, I would rather have Parker at his ADP than Keenan Allen at his ADP. Okay. That's, that's a statement that, um, I would have to think about, uh, before I attacked, but we don't have time for that. So I will just close with saying that I think Parker is acceptable there. Uh, he's not ever going to reach the potential we thought could have been there, but I do think that he's going to turn things around and, and become one of these players that will actually close off with a decent career. Uh, we will probably be discussing Parker a number of times. Um, ahead of the season, but, uh, that does it for this episode. You can reach us at radio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCavenFF and at MattFEOracle. Thanks to Bet Online for sponsoring the show. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And as always, remember, it's not a fantasy. You believe it. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.